What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of PogRX, the only show on the interwebs that is going to make you a better gamer, a better person, and a healthier person. I'm your host, GamerDoc. I'm a licensed medical doctor. I almost said licensed esport physician, which doesn't exist, but I'm a licensed medical doctor and I'm an esports physician. One day? One day? Maybe in like 20 years. Doctors will do anything to make money, so it's probably going to happen. So this is episode four. We've got an exciting guest, but I want to switch it up a little bit. So I was listening to a podcast this week, and I used to be super into podcasts, but then the pandemic hit, and suddenly we're not leaving the house, we're not driving. So you know, you can if you're going to look at a YouTube video or a podcast, you're probably going to watch something, right? You're not going to just listen to something as much. And the podcast industry definitely took a hit during the pandemic, but. The podcast industry is different than the rest of the industries because I feel like people who listen to podcasts are smarter because we want we want information. We want to learn something. We're not just being passively entertained. Um, and I feel like the first three episodes of this show, I was focused more on sensationalizing what we're doing instead of just focusing on teaching and learning and gaining information in an entertaining way. So the format of this show is going to be a little bit different um, and they will be going forward. So if you liked the first three episodes, I hope you like this one. If you didn't like the first three episodes, thank you for sticking around so long. You might be my mom. Thanks, mom. Um, so, so that's really what we're going to be doing. So the title of the show is Can I Get Injured From Gaming? Obviously you can. Obviously the answer is yes. Otherwise, we wouldn't really have a show about it, but I want to talk about what exactly an injury is because this week, one of my buddies decided to um, spider monkey up a second floor window because she had locked herself out. You know who you are. I'm so proud of you and, and fell and broke her arm. Um, and one of my other friends who found out what happened was like, oh, it's it's probably just fractured, it's not broken. And that brought up something in my mind that there is this misconception around injuries, right? So a fracture and a break are the same thing. Those are exactly the same thing, are, are used interchangeably in the medical world, but the rest of the world doesn't really know that. We tend to think that a break is, is less bad than, or a fracture is less bad than a break, which isn't the case of the same exact thing. Um, and so I started thinking about all the other medical misconceptions that exist and how that's so interesting, right? You, I, I feel like that's something that people want to know because above, we, we do love learning knowledge, but we love telling other people our knowledge. We love, we love proving other people wrong. So if someone says, oh, it's just fractured, it's not broken, you could be like, oh, you know, actually, those are the same thing my buddy GamerDoc told me, no big deal. Um, so how do injuries occur and what exactly is happening? So... The circumstances of a break, we're talking about a break. You break your arm, the force or the direction of force on your bone overcomes your bone's ability and so it splits. And you have a, you know, a small fracture in your arm. What then happens? What does your body do? So your, bra your body says, okay, this needs to get healed. How do I heal this bone? How do I knit this bone back together? So what it does is it opens up the blood vessels around the break. It opens up specifically those blood vessels and it sends out signals to the cells that are gonna heal it. It says, come here, we need help. It's like, it's like an alarm, it's like a fire alarm. It says, everyone come here, come here right now. This is broken, it needs your immediate attention. 
So cells from all over the body show up to wherever the break is and start doing their job. And what happens when you increase blood flow to an area, right? Well, that's what happens when you warm up. If you listen to the last episode, that's what happens when you warm up. So the area becomes hot, it becomes red, it becomes inflamed, right? And what happens when you add fluid to a joint? What happens when you add fluid to an area? It gets swollen. And you know what causes a lot of pain? Swelling. Swelling in a joint, fluid in a joint cause lots of pain. So in essence, your body is producing pain to protect you and is a byproduct of the healing process, which is super interesting because when people are born with a rare genetic condition where they cannot feel pain, what happens? Pain is your body's ability to protect itself. If you feel, if you break your toe and you didn't feel pain in the toe, you would break it worse. You would continue to walk on it, you continue to run on it, and it would get worse and worse and worse and never heal. Pain is your body's way of making you take it easy, right? It's your body's way of making it take you easy. So if you're born with a rare genetic condition that prevents you from feeling pain, you get all these injuries. You get all these broken bones without knowing them. It's terrible. Pain is your body's ability to protect itself. Yet, yet, when we feel pain, why do we walk around saying like, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. This will go away. Stop thinking of pain like something that will go away and start thinking of pain as your body's ability to protect itself. Your body is sending a warning signal. Your body is sounding the fire alarm and saying, this hurts for a reason. Let's find out and let's prevent it from hurting worse. Okay, so one of the, the best analogies I have to pain is fever. So if your temperature goes up when you're sick, right? You get a bacteria, you get a virus, your temperature goes up. What causes your temperature to go up? I want you to really think about that for a second because if you've made it this far into the show right now, then you actually care about these answers and you're actually interested. What causes fever? If you ask the majority of people what causes fever, they're gonna say the bacteria or the virus, right? It's causing a fever, you're sick, so you're, it's causing a fever. When in actuality, your body raises its own temperature purposely, right? Same thing. Your body notices that it's infected with something it needs to kill. It raises its own body temperature. What does that do? Well, the first thing it does is it makes it harder for that bacteria, that virus to live because at a higher temperature, right? Things that infect humans have evolved over years and years and years to thrive in whatever area they're trying to affect. So if you have a blood-borne illness, it thrives at 98.6 degrees. If you have an illness that affects your lungs, it thrives at a different disease. So by altering your body's temperature, your body is taking it out of that circumstance that makes it thrive, right? So that's one thing that fever does. By also raising the temperature of your body, it allows your enzymes that fight illness to work more efficiently, right? Sounds familiar, warming up. Warming up makes your body work more efficiently. Um, and so what do we do when we have a fever, right? What do we do when we have a fever? We take Tylenol to lower it. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? Your body is doing something to fix you and you're counteracting it with medicine. Why do we do that? Well, first of all, a fever above 102 degrees, 103 degrees, definitely above 104 degrees is not safe. That's too much of a fever. But if you're sitting at 101 degrees, your body is creating that circumstance to protect you. But we take Tylenol to lower it because 
medicine has been ruined by pharmaceutical companies. But that's the same thing as ignoring your pain, right? You're ignoring your body's signals and you're working against your body. Our bodies are marvelous, marvelous creations. Our bodies can can fight cancer. Cancer, pre-cancer pops up in your body all the time. All the time. If you knew how many times you almost got cancer in a lifetime, it would be terrifying. But your body takes care of it. Your body kills those cells itself without any help, without any Tylenol. And that is the marvel of the human body. We are born with the ability to heal ourselves. We are born with the ability to function perfectly. Yet we mess it up. We ignore the pain. We lower the fever with drugs. We sit all day at a desk and don't pay attention to ergonomics. We create problems. So what I want you to do, what I would love for you to do, is start thinking about what your body needs and what your body wants. And not what the pharmaceutical companies are telling you, not what society is telling you, not what misconceptions are telling you. The amount of things in the world right now that are just misconceptions that are killing people is outstanding. It's ridiculous. Be smarter than everybody else, right? You're listening to a podcast, you already are smarter than everyone else. Be smarter than everyone else and use these tools, these techniques to improve your game. Even if you're not a gamer, even if your kid's a gamer, these things can help you. Even if you're not a gamer, but you sit at a desk all day, these things can help you. That's what this show is. That's what this show is going to be, right? We're episode four of a podcast that probably has like 10 views and they're all my mom. Hi, mom. Um, But one day it will be bigger because I believe in the intelligence of a select few out there. I believe that there are people out there who want to learn more, who want to improve their brain, who want to improve their skills, but are inundated with crappy information. So I promise to give you good information that will help you get better. Before we move on to the second segment and introduce our fantastic guests though, we have our PogRx. This is something that you can do that is gonna make you game better. And this one is a preventative measure. So we're all walking around with the predisposition to be injured because of muscle imbalances, because of the way we were born, because of past injuries, we all have a propensity for injury. So what I want you to do is test yourself. Gamer's thumb is one of the most common things affecting people who sit at desks all day, people who play video games. So what I want you to do is test yourself at home for gamer's thumb. This video that follows is gonna show you how doctors test in the office, so you can do it at home. But I wanna warn you, this is not medical advice. Um, And also go slow, stop if you have any pain, and talk to your doctor before performing any sort of medical procedure. So here we go. Check yourself right now for one of the most common causes of pain while gaming. We're gonna perform a simple and easy test. You're gonna take your hand in front of you, you're gonna close your thumb into your palm and then close the rest of your fingers around the thumb. You're gonna take your other hand and you're gonna bend at the wrist away from the thumb. Pain here is a positive test and a sign you should see your doctor. Thumb's hurting a little bit right now. Yeah, mine too. It's the same thing as before. That pain is a warning sign of impending injury. So if that's something that you felt, definitely go talk to your doctor. Speaking of doctors, our guest on the show tonight is Dr. Kate McGee. She is a co-owner of 1HP, one of the best esports healthcare, the best esports healthcare company that currently exists in the space right now. She's also the co-editor of my book, The Handbook of Esports Medicine, in stores now. So go check that out. But one of the cool things about Dr. Kate McGee is that whenever you come up or whenever you discover an idea, 
it feels like you're the only one who's had that idea before. I remember when I first thought about esports medicine. I was sitting at a dinner at a traditional medicine conference. I was bored out of my mind. I was surrounded by people who were so boring. And I realized that I didn't really love my career. And so I, I started thinking about what I did love. And what I do love is video gaming. And so I said, oh, I'll be a doctor for video gamers. That's a great idea. I just, I just created this idea right now. And then I looked it up and apparently I did not create the idea because Kate McGee had been doing it for years before I even had that idea. Um, so it, she backs up everything she says with not only years of experience, but really strong intelligence. So I'm so happy to have her on the show, Dr. Kate McGee. Dr. McGee, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. So first question, you are a doctor of physical therapy. So when I was a kid, I always used to think about if alien overlords like show up to the U.S., also to the Earth, (laughs) and they say, okay, you know, half of you are becoming fuel for our ships. The other half will keep around for your uses. What do you do? And you have to explain to an alien what a DPT does without them knowing what a DPT is. So what, what do you do? You were a strange child. Um, yes. So strange physical therapy, still. simplest terms, is using the body to treat the body. Um, so we are musculoskeletal experts. We look at how the body works and we figure out how to make the body work better. Um, we use this a lot when people are injured, but we also use it when people are sick and therefore deconditioned. They've got weakness. They've got poor balance. They've got poor endurance. Um, So basically anything that involves getting your musculoskeletal system better, your joints, your bones, your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, we work on those things. And we don't do medications and we don't do imaging, mostly because we're not allowed to. We totally think that those have a time and a place in the treatment of the human body. It's just that we are technically not allowed to prescribe those things, so we don't. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I mean, for a lot of, you know, you use the body to treat the body for musculoskeletal injuries. A lot of musculoskeletal injuries should be able to be diagnosed without imaging, right? Like x-ray, MRI, those are a crutch that traditional medicine lies on and and can actually be counterintuitive. You know, you know more than I do. So if I take an x-ray of your back and you have a herniated disc, does that mean you have back pain? All right. 28% 28% of the population over the age of 25, or sorry, 28% of the population between the ages of 21 and 28 has a herniated disc. They probably don't know it because it doesn't cause any pain whatsoever. Even when we see on imaging that somebody does have a herniated disc and they also have back pain, the two things aren't always causative. So the, the herniated disc doesn't necessarily cause the back pain. We get real worried about worries like herniation and it's not surprising because, oh my God, there's a thing out of place in my back and it's poking my spine. Well, it might not actually be poking your spinal cord, and it might kind of just be hanging out there a little bit more. 
the body is adaptive, right? The body learns to move how you need it to move. So if, for example, you want to train to become a power lifter, you don't do that overnight, but your body adapts over time. You build more muscle mass. Same thing goes with just normal movement. If you're consistently moving in patterns where the easiest way to move is the discs between your vertebrae change their shape a little bit, then your body's going to learn to move that way and it's going to make that change. Uh, now, is it necessarily the healthiest or the safest way to move? Maybe not, Maybe but your body not. found it was the easiest way to move, so it went for it. So rather than worrying about, is this disc herniated or not, we really like to look at, especially with back pain, what brings on this pain? What relieves this pain? Do you need more mobility or do you need more stability? And how do we provide those things without irritating your pain further? So you just made me think of a really good question. Thank you. Uh, so the first thing we learned from that is if your x-ray or MRI shows you have a herniated disc, that doesn't mean anything, everyone at home. Listen to that. Uh, the second thing we learned is that our bodies adapt to the trainings we put ourselves through. So how is the body of a power lifter different from the body of a NASCAR driver? Good question. All right. So a power lifter is going to have a couple big changes. One is muscle hypertrophy, which is just muscle growth. They need more muscle mass to do the things they're doing. They're also going to be recruiting muscles in particular orders to do the lifts that they're doing, right? So for example, if I were doing a deadlift, I'd really need to be kicking in glutes, hamstrings, lats, basically the entire what we call posterior chain, the muscles that run up the backside of the body. Uh, those muscles would be trained for that specific lift. You'd also end up with a little bit of increased bone density um, because one of the things that can improve bone density over time is weightlifting. Um, then we look at NASCAR. NASCAR is an entirely different situation, right? You're sitting for long periods of time. You still actually need a decent amount of strength. It turns out that sitting in a car at 200 miles an hour while you whip around corners does in fact require a decent amount of upper body and core strength in particular. And NASCAR drivers have learned that if they have a little bit more lower body strength, they don't have to rely on their core quite so much, which means the back hurts a little bit less. So the types of muscles that are involved are going to be different between powerlifting and NASCAR drivers. The order in which they fire or the ones that are used most frequently are going to differ, uh, but they are still going to have to train in order to be up to the challenges of their particular sport or activity. So I yesterday deadlifted, and I feel terrible today because I, my muscles are destroyed. I also did split squats. So that probably could be it. And then I played three hours of Fortnite. So, you know, we talked about the difference between a, a power lifter and a NASCAR driver. Talk to me about any adaptations that you – and obviously, so what we're talking about right now, everyone at home, there's no papers on it. So if you're going to, like, quote, retweet this and be like, they're making this up, you're right, we are. Welcome to eSports medicine where there's, you have to use your brain. There's like six studies out so yeah. far, and none of them are on the functional and structural changes that occur as a result of gaming. But if you were wrong. to hypothesize on the functional and structural changes that happen from long-term video gaming, what would you say happens? So the thing with gaming is we're not really looking at big strength changes. You don't see gamers with like big massive bulging forearms unless they are also weightlifters, yeah. which some of them are. Sony. Um, the things that you need for um, gaming are more endurance based. So we'll see folks with improved endurance in their muscles, which means they don't necessarily fire super duper hard. I can't contract super duper hard, but I could make that contraction happen for a very long period of time without fatiguing. Uh, so you need to be able to maintain stability through your core, through your shoulders, through your forearms. Um, all of those muscles require a lot of endurance when you're gaming. You're also going to see improvements in precision. Um, so you're looking at the rate at which fast-twitch muscle fibers fire. Um, we do look at kind of two types of muscle fibers generally. We've got fast-twitch and slow-twitch. Technically, there's two types of the slow-twitch. That twitch. red ox. Uh, 
But yes, but functionally what we're looking at is the short, quick firing that happens for precise movement, generally speaking, anaerobic activity of the muscles. And then we're looking at the sustained long-term activity of the muscles, the more aerobic function. So gamers do need both types of muscle fibers. We need both the quick <clears> and the slow. We need both the immediate precise movement and the endurance over time. Um, so the changes that we expect to see with gamers have more to do with um, endurance and precision than they do with just raw strength output. So it's more of a neuromuscular adaptation. And neuromuscular refers to how the brain communicates with the muscle and fires the, the muscle fibers in the most efficient pattern possible, which is actually how all changes in strength take place. The first changes in strength you see, no matter what you're doing, are all about more efficient movement patterns. And then after that, it's if you need more strength, we'll build more muscle. And that's why you get so many early gains in weightlifting when you first start, right? Is because of the, what you just said about the brain and the neural adaptations. Yeah, they're more efficient, all that jazz. Cool, cool. So I, I was gaming and I was working on my edits and my builds and my forearms were just absolutely screaming in pain. So I've got to work on my... It's possible that maybe, you know, a whole bunch of weightlifting where you were gripping things real hard and real heavy for a while, because I know how much you deadlift. Uh, <laughs> maybe fatigue your forearms a little bit before you got to the point where you were gaming. It's called cross-training, Dr. Miggy. <laughs> um, okay, so my body is undergoing changes to game, uh, and I need to work on that to game better. So why you're a you're an esports PT, right? You work with esports athletes. Why do esports athletes need doctors of physical therapy? So the the big you know obvious answer is gamers get injured too. Um, that happens in a variety of ways. There are injuries that can happen from gaming, and a lot of them have to do with being in a poor position over a long period of time, um, or not having adequate endurance for like the task you challenge yourself to do, like say a twenty four hour stream. Um, or just really massively ramping up your practice time without giving your body that time to adapt. Um, and so that was kind of the, the initial thought that folks had when, when we started seeing esports PTs. And when I say esports PTs, I mean literally all two of us. Uh, there's <laughs> now five, six, six. I think there's six of us. Um, we're growing, really. Um, Hypertrophy. And I know there might well be more. Uh, but the, the thing that we all saw when we first started entering gaming is people only think PT when they're already injured and they're like, crap, I need to get better. Um, but the the big hurdle that we see in esports there is if you played intramural soccer growing up, and I'm totally stealing an analogy that you have used because it's fantastic. Um, if you played soccer growing up intramurally, you may not have gotten injured, but you probably saw one of your teammates get injured at some point and they went to a doctor and, you know, they got an ankle brace for their ankle sprain and, you know, they did some rehab and they came back and they kept playing you saw that they recovered and could be fine. We don't necessarily, necessarily see that pattern in esports, so we don't even conceive of that being an option, that you could get injured and then recover. We hear about injuries when the player is at the point where they have to retire because they're so injured. Uh, so that's definitely one of the hurdles we dealt with when we were first getting in. But now we're at a point where players are also starting to recognize uh, and where we're able to kind of explain that PT isn't just for once you're injured. PT can also be for preventing injuries, so building up your strength, your endurance, your precision, uh, your proprioception, your body's awareness of where it is in space, um, in order to reduce your likelihood of getting an injury. We can do things like preseason screenings to figure out what injuries are you at risk of based on, you know, some strength and functional movement measurements. And can we specifically design programming to help you avoid or, or mitigate those particular risks? And the answer is yes. 
we can be involved in helping develop ergonomics, um, kind of more functional setups that fit a person's posture and how they need to be able to move. Um, and now we're at the point where people are also starting to recognize that PT doesn't just have to be about recovering from injury or preventing an injury. It can also be about just performing better. Um, it turns out having a really good knowledge of how the musculoskeletal system functions puts you in a good position to help somebody so make weird. that system function better, even if it wasn't functioning so badly weird. in the first place. Uh, so you're telling me you can use medicine and science to make people play better. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, I want to go back to something that you said really quickly about players getting injured and forced to retire. Um, I'm not going to use his name, but a player retired recently, and I obviously you know, said something on Twitter to the organization about their support staff because of the person that I am. And they responded with, it was a pre-existing condition before he showed up. So I looked up what his pre-existing condition was because he was open about it, and it was head forward posture. So can you tell me what you think about that? Uh, <laughs> you saw my facial expression, but let me try to explain my facial expression there. Uh, so... Forward head posture just describes a position that you tend to sit in. Um, it's one of those positions that, like we talked about, you sit in it because it's easiest. It's become adaptive because it's the, the path of least resistance for your body. Does that mean it's the path of, of best sitting? Not necessarily. Uh, there's actually some really interesting research that goes back and forth as to whether neck flexion angles, so how far forward or how far down your neck is, how much that really in, uh, impacts your likelihood of developing neck pain um, or more serious pathological conditions of the neck. Um, and it's actually still being debated, which is honestly how most of medicine works. There's papers that go either way on just about everything. It's general consensus that we go with, or the better papers, really. Yeah. Um, but forward head posture isn't so much a pre-existing condition as it is just that's how you tend to sit. Mm. How you tend to sit can be changed. So a lot of things impact how you tend to sit. Um, generally, things that might impact you towards having more forward head posture could be your monitors are a little bit low, so you end up having to slump a little bit and then your head comes forward in order to have the monitors at a comfortable height for your eye level. It might be that your chair is a little bit too high. It might be that your desk is a little bit lower relative to your chair, so you need to like slump a little bit in order to get your hands resting on the desk comfortably. Um, it could be that there is something in the back of your chair, which is providing just enough pressure towards like your upper shoulders that you feel you need to move a little bit away from it. Uh, it could be that you have some tightness in your chest muscles and some weakness in your upper back muscles and your deep neck flexor muscles. There's no way of knowing 100% for sure without doing a full assessment of a player. But all of the things that I just mentioned are all things that are very, very manageable and fairly straightforward to fix. Yep. Yes, there are absolutely pathological conditions that can be associated with forward head posture. Um, but forward head posture is not in and of itself a pathology and an injury, a, you know, a type of problem that the body has. It describes a movement pattern and movement patterns can be changed. Mm -hmm. And I hope everyone at home was adjusting their posture in their chair while <laughs> listening right now. It's like saying you have tight hamstrings. Like People are like, oh, my, I have tight hamstrings. I can't do that. Oh, you do? Stretch them. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Come roll them, and I think it's it's so interesting because the, yeah, exactly the 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 yeah the adaptations that you're describing the the changes in the body that you get from gaming right you get tightening of the the chest muscles lengthening and weakening of the back muscles those are kind of like the changes that happen in your forearm muscles from gaming it's it's 
it's kind of like the accepted, it's your body adjusts to the environment you put it in. And so if you're going to put it in an environment, it it might maladapt, right? But that's what it's doing because that's the position you're in. So, you know, setting these things, this is one of the things why having a PT on staff is so important because you want to get them before the changes happen before but people have like you said people have this misconception that you can't get injured playing video games that you can't get injured um, and, and so the future of esports you know it's 10 years from now we've got all the big organizations have more funding more money we've got espn for esports oh little lowercase e big ASPN. Oh. It's going to be terrible. I'm no. so excited. Once we go more mainstream, you know stuff like that is going to happen because they're not yeah. going to hire gamers. And we're going to yell at them for doing it. We are. We are. But we're going to be well, on their show. Guide says. <laughs> so, so when, you know, when gaming goes more mainstream, when our funds go up, what do you see the medical staff of an esports organization looking like? What is it looking fairly similar to what a traditional sports team looks like, or at least ideally looks like. There should be one centralized point person. Um, that could be a PT, it could be an MD, um, it could even be an athletic trainer. Um, somebody who's able to kind of get a good sense of what's going on and manages the things that are within their wheelhouse and knows who to refer to for the things that aren't in their wheelhouse. Um, so for you know, somebody who comes to you with eye strain issues, sure, you might address if there's any like cervicogenic or neck related component, if there's any postural related component of how they're sitting, but you might also end up referring out to, you know, an ophthalmologist or an optometrist if that's appropriate. Um, so I picture every team having a centralized care provider, PT, MD, maybe ATC. Um, I picture every team having kind of a network of professionals that they know that they can refer to, uh, which is something that, you know, all of us esports medicine professionals of all of our various degrees and titles are working on. We're trying, we're trying to build that. Um, and I'm picturing really it's, it's only going to work, not just if we have the money um, for it, but if we have like the cultural shift to accept that, you know, this is a long-term effort. I think one of the hurdles we run into right now is a lot of teams, they they want to be seen doing good for mm -hmm. their players. Um, and some teams really care about doing good for their players. And some teams care more about being seen doing good for their players than the actual doing good part of things. And so we end up with these short-term initiatives uh, that don't really help the players out in the long term. It might give them a brief bit of help. And for some players, it sets them on the right track and they're able to kind of pick it up and follow it. Um, but that's not true for every player right. and that's not true for every team. Right. Um, so, you know, if we get that cultural shift down the line, if we get that increased kind of long-term investment in player health and wellness, um, and if every team's got a centralized point person who's able to really address the needs of the team, both as soon as they pop up and even kind of preempt them before they pop up, then I think we'll be in a much more sustainable spot. And we're going to see esports competitors who aren't retiring at 28 unless, you know, they just feel like it. Um, you know, who aren't retiring at age 28 because they have, you know, the, their hands are too tired yeah. um, or because they have an injury. Instead, we'll see players playing into their 30s and 40s because really there's no reason they shouldn't be able to. No reason. There's no reason. Eloquently put. All right, Dr. McGee, we are almost out of time. So the name of the show is Pog Rx because of the person that I am. And what I need from you is one prescription. This is not medical advice. This is just a play on words. Um, one prescription that people can do right now, anyone listening at home, to make them a better gamer. What would you have them do? Simplest one, 
Set yourself a timer for every 30 to 60 minutes. At that 30 to 60 minute mark, um, stand up, lock your hands behind your back, take five really deep breaths. It does two things for you. One, gives you a little bit of a mental reset. Two, it gives you a postural reset. Um, so those two things help you sit up straighter, help you be a little less stressed, a little less tilted. And by the time you sit back down, you'll be a little bit more relaxed and a little readier to jump back in. So you're telling me to take 10 seconds to fix my body in between. Yep. Real simple. Yeah. You can take longer. You could absolutely do stretches. You could do squats if you really want to. But if you're asking me for one thing that I want people to do, stand up for 10 to 30 seconds, lock your hands behind your back, stand up real straight and take 10 deep breaths. Isn't that wild? Like it's not, I don't think it's laziness because there are things that I could be doing. Like I have a pull-up bar right there. I should be hanging from the pull-up bar with one hand for 30 seconds in between, like every time I go to the bathroom. But I don't, right? Like this is, I need to stand up every 60 minutes. I know that. I know I need to do, I don't do that. Yeah. Why? Why do, it's, I don't think it's laziness because I'm not lazy. Like why do we as humans not do these things? It's, it's habits. It's, habits. it's what we do or don't build into our daily schedule. That's why I say set a timer because there will come a point where you don't need to set a timer. We're at 30, 60 minutes. You're kind of going to be like itching to get up and you're like, oh yeah, I want to do this thing that it's become habitual for me to do. That's why I have, you know, a giant water container in front of me. If I don't have a giant container of water in front of me, I'm not going to drink from it. I haven't made it convenient. Make it convenient for yourself to be able to move and change position and you're going to do it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Make it convenient. Find a habit. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Kate McGee. Her Twitter handle is below her. Otherwise, Kate, um, do you want to plug your org? What do you want to plug? Uh, my organization is 1HP. We provide healthcare for gamers generally and performance medicine. Um, also want to plug Exo Academy, which is a fantastic initiative by uh, Persia out of the Red Bull um, kind of umbrella, uh, which works on getting more women into top tier fighting game positions. Um, and also want to plug uh, Lens Your Org, uh, Queer Women of Esports. Um, so for anybody who hasn't joined, you should totally join. It's fantastic. Really great, really welcoming space. Again, just trying to make sure that esports is for everybody, um, which is really what all of us esports med professionals want. You're a wonderful, wonderful human, Dr. McGee. And as always, it is a pleasure to hear you speak. You are so knowledgeable. You've been in the field since before I even knew the field existed. So thank you again for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That is it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. McGee's PogRx is to create habits. Every 60 minutes, set that alarm. It's so easy. Just set the alarm right now. You don't have to do it. Just set the alarm right now. That's the first step is the small changes. We think that if we need to, you know, we want to get stronger. So we're like, okay, we have to go to the gym three times a week. We have to increase our protein. We have to worry about carbs. We have to worry about all this stuff. And it becomes insurmountable. It becomes a huge barrier to, to participation. When in actuality, the first thing is showing up to the gym. Finding the gym you're going to go to is the first step. And then showing up. All that other stuff doesn't matter until you show up to the gym. The 60 minutes, the deep breaths, none of that matters until you set the alarm. So set the alarm right now because you can do that. You, you can do that right now. I know you can. Unless you're driving, don't do that. Ask Siri to do it for you. So, you know, stop believing your own excuses. Do the thing. This is a thing that's going to make you better. It's going to make you healthier. Do the thing because you are smarter than the average bear. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like 
the content. Please follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. And head over to Twitter. You know, my username is below me. Um, I think I'm mildly entertaining, and you might learn something one day if you follow me on Twitter. Um, so, so thank you for joining us. Have a happy and a healthy week. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this show. For more information, follow GamerDoc on Twitter at GamerDoc underscore. And please remember, nothing in this video is medical advice. Yes, I am a doctor, and yes, you may need help. But this is the internet, and this is for entertainment informational purposes only. Thank you, and have a very nice day.